Heavenly Father, we are indeed so thankful that we have access to that very throne room that we've been studying about. Lord, that we have a shepherd who's strong, who takes care of us, who we can trust in, though we do not understand our perception and knowledge does not penetrate the veil of all that is going on behind the scenes and around us. But we know that you do understand and that these things are not beyond your control. And we derive great comfort and encouragement. Father, we pray that you would continue to sustain us and you continue to guide us and prompt us Lord, we know that there is much temptation to to become complacent in this time of seeming limitation. But Lord, we pray that our spirits could be stirred up as we see the great need, the great darkness, the great sense of loss and loneliness and emptiness around us, and that we could, as your people, be your hands and feet to and even your mouth to speak truth at this time father we do pray for our leaders who are gathering together lord that you give them your spirit's guidance that they could make the right decisions they could be encouraged and that they could uh, direct the flock and give them guidance this time of great need This morning, Lord, we come before you desiring to hear from you, from your living word. We ask that your spirit could speak into each one of our hearts, could apply these truths in a personal way, in a transforming way, that we would be changed by your word. Lord, we pray again that the limitations of, of technology and comfort and would not, that we would by your spirit's enablement be able to push all those things aside and that we would come with fresh hunger that the changing world would give us insight into the our great need that we would not give in to the siren call of comfort and this time of father we pray for your power to be unhindered in our hearts in jesus name amen The passage the Lord has laid on my heart this morning is found in the, in the prophet Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And I do want to request that, that we read this passage together. Um, so please open your, your the Bible, even if you're at home and on your couch or wherever that uh, you take the effort to to open the word and and read it together with us because this is this is god's living word and it has a power and a beauty um i cannot uh convey it i i I ask you to come and, and 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 feed yourself and 
and to, to follow along because you'll get far more out of it. So please I ask all of you in hearing the word, uh, the word, these words to, to open the word with me to Isaiah chapter 40 and let God speak to us through his living word. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it surely the people is grass the grass withereth the flower fadeth but the word of our God shall stand forever O Zion that bringeth good tidings get thee up into the high mountain O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings lift up thy voice with strength lift it up be not afraid say unto the cities of Judah behold your God Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with the span? and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will we liken God, or what likeness will ye compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He, he that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? 
It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted, yea, they shall not be sown, yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment passed over from my God? Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Let's read this together and understand it. God is speaking comfort to my people. This is a new division. He had just finished the story of how um, there was a huge army of the Assyrians at the very doorstep of of Jerusalem already having laid to waste many of the walled cities and now at the doorstep and mocking and saying your God's not going to be able to save you is he greater than all these gods of all these other nations that we have completely destroyed you know just just forget what Hezekiah the king is telling you and just give up because we're the ones who are strong and God came through as the prophet Isaiah prophesied and none of that happened. They were uh, um, distracted and, 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 and heard the voice of, of an army that wasn't there and all disappeared. But, and now we switch to this, this, this beautiful prophetic chapter and I, and I give that context because we often can feel like we are overwhelmed, that the, the armies that are around us are unstoppable in that uh, we have no power. And God is speaking to us comfort. And right there, because we are his people, 
come forth to, to, to bring strength, to, to bring courage. It's not just a comfort as in a pillow, but comfort as in that you can rest in his and derive strength from the fact that he is your God. And that, and that as we read the chapter, the good news that, that, that Jerusalem is supposed to proclaim from the highest mountain is that behold your God. That's where we find our comfort. But before he gets there, he speaks to them. He says, as we're reading through, let's, let's read it together. Comfort ye my people, saith your God. It's that relationship. That's where you find your strength. Not in how big your army is to face the horde outside the gate, how good your education or your bank account or your circle of friends or whatever it is that you may trust in to, to give you confidence to face the challenges, that's not where you're going to find strength. It's the fact that he is your God and you are his people. He has accomplished your warfare. He has pardoned your iniquity through Jesus Christ. May his name ever be praised. There is a preparation. A preparation that needs to happen. And, and we know the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. John the Baptist says that that was my role. I was the voice that cried in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And what did he proclaim? What was the message we read in Matthew 3, John 3? It's interesting, you know, sometimes it helps you to, to know certain chapters in, in, in the Gospels that kind of correlate. And chapter 3 often, although it's Mark 1, you know, is John the Baptist there. And... Uh, his message, what was it? Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here we have in Isaiah is, is, is a poet. Our, our late brother Richard Roberts says this was his favorite book of the Bible because he was a, one who enjoyed words and the beauty of words. And Isaiah is a master poet as he as he describes through symbolism and it seems like God's been trying to speak to us through symbols we went through the parables we're going through revelation now and here in the old testament in the in these prophets there are symbols and you see and, and I know as, as a young man I was kind of impatient I I wanted just tell it to me straight uh, I'm very analytical I, I didn't understand art but but there's a reason why God uses symbols. And there's a reason why he communicates to us through art. And there's a reason why these things reach us and endure and are lasting. And, and I can appreciate more with time how, um, how these, these, these connected themes and symbols throughout the word of God make it a deeper and richer word that we can meditate and, and learn anew and get deeper um, comfort and encouragement from. So the symbolism that Isaiah is using here, you're in a desert. The way to Jerusalem, the high place is, is full of, of crags. 
and rocks and, and uh, dry and it's very difficult to make good progress, unlike the 401 here. And my, my son was working on that last year, you know, and you have to, you have to dig up and you have to fill in those, those low places and cut down those high places and you have to make it straight and, and broad so that you can be actually make good progress there. And, and, and how is that a picture? How is that a symbol of repentance? There are things that we think we're good at. There are things that we place our confidence in. <clears throat> those are those mountains that we have to allow God to humble us, to knock down, even though it's painful, even though it's, it's uh, blasting through rock. And there are things that we feel discouraged. We feel like, I, I can't, I, I'm unable, I'm inadequate. I cannot rise up to the challenge that, that God is calling me to the standard of holiness. And we need to allow him to fill and to, to bring that into line. The crooked to be made straight. Again, those crooked things in, in our hearts and the rough places plain. And, and as we prepare our hearts through, through the humility, through the brokenness, through the willingness for God to, to come in and to straighten out our lives, then he's able, and then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together, and we can have confidence because the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Jesus has come into the world and, and it's, he's changed history. We can see it in the very year of the date. It's a division of history. No one has missed it. But yet, he's coming again. And no one's going to miss it. He is going to come through the clouds and every eye will see it. And his glory was amazing as he came with grace and truth as John 1 says, but he's going to come again even as we see here, the Lord God, verse 10, will come with a strong hand. His arm will rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. He will come again. Not as that meek lamb who, who died in our place, but as a king. We see the imagery and, and revelation of the sword, that sharp two-edged sword proceeding out of his mouth, cutting through all of the lies and deception and uh, all the things that we think are going to, to um, cover us, being exposed and, and, and the rich and the powerful and, and all asking for rocks to hide them in the, the mountains to fall on them because they feel naked and exposed before that cutting word of God. The voice, we're at verse 6 now, says to cry, to, to, to proclaim, to, to let the world know we are, we are to be that voice this world needs to hear. And what is the message? What shall I cry? What, what's the point? What do, what do we need to tell? It says, flesh is as grass, the goodliness thereof as the flower of the field, the grass with the flower fadeth. So flesh, our humanity, people, 
We don't live forever. In fact, we live a very short time. And when we look at you know, the, the grass, it's something that's very seasonal, it, it's green, it's flourishing, and then it goes dry, and we see how it is dead outside this morning. And then, then the actual flowering of the glass, that's even shorter, where we're talking about, you know, days and maybe a week where we, we see the, the grass actually come to, to flower and to seed. And he says that, that's, the, that's, our life is short. But the time where we're, where we're flourishing and we've got this great beauty of youth and potential and, and, you know, we're in that prime, it's even shorter. And then you get older like myself and you start to start forget words and, and stringing thoughts together and remembering what you were going in the basement to get or what you're trying to do becomes a challenge. You lose that prime. And then you lose your strength. And then you lose your life. And as a young person, you may think, well, you know, I've got it all together. I've, I'm strong. I'm healthy. I'm smart. I'm, I, I can do all things. But God's saying, look at the perspective. Your life is short. Don't have this, I'm indestructible, and uh, things are just going to get better and better and better. Because that's not how it works. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Why is that the message? That sounds like a pretty depressing message, but, but it's necessary because without that, we would have this pride and arrogance and, and not listen to God. That's why in Psalm 90, he says, he turns men to destruction, says, turn ye in repentance. Because when he gave us everything, when we are young and healthy, we have this tendency, like Ecclesiastes says, to forget our creator in the days of our youth. We have this tendency to think everything's going well. I don't need God. You know, the, the church of Laodicea had the same attitude. I'm comfortable. I'm rich. I, I have it all. And so, yes, I worship God in lip service, but, but my heart's not there. And we need to realize that this this um, appearance of prosperity and health and is, is, is a passing, it's fleeting, it's momentary. And that's why he says, look at the grass of the field. When you see that grass, remember, that's your life. It's not going to last. And pretty soon you're going to be facing the judge coming through the clouds. And for some of us, it's even so, come Lord Jesus. For others, it's going to be, cover me with these rocks. And, and what is our reaction going to be? Because the word of God, that's going to endure. Your life is not. Technology, political power, all these things are, are passing. And, and, and we're going to see God's going to contrast himself to all these things, uh, these, these idols, because they're different sources of our turning to uh, an alternate source of strength and power and wisdom. But he, his word endures forever. These words, which have been tried and destroyed for millennia, from, from Roman times where they forced people to, to try Edor to hand in the word of God. That's where we got a word traitor from. And, and they try to burn the word of God then through the end of ages, through Voltaire, who says, you know, you know, that the word of God's going to end here because of my skepticism and my atheism. You know, 
do today where we're going to outlaw the message of the Word of God where it defines man and woman and, and, and things that are contrary to the shifting morality of our day. The Word of God is going to endure forever. These words are true. You, your life, your flesh, I should say be careful because you are going to live forever, but your body is not. This existence is not. The things that look so prosperous and powerful, they're passing, and we miss that, including the problems, including this vast army that's in front of the gates that's making you shake in your boots and making you think that, you know, there's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm, my life is over. The problems are passing, but the Word of God endures forever. The promises endure forever. Promises of help and promises of judgment, they are there. They are true. And that's what we need to align ourselves to do and not align ourselves with the fact that, wow, there seems to be these shifting winds of political pressure. And if I don't align myself to them, to them my life is over. If I don't become politically correct, if I don't censor my words, if I don't just fall in line with what this culture is saying, I'm going to get steamrolled. No, no, no. This culture is passing. The word of God endures forever. Our God, the good news, proclaimed from the mountain, verse 9, behold your God. Take your eyes away from the grass to God. Who is this God? He's going to come with a strong hand his arm will rule. We see this powerful king, this judging king. And then look at the contrast. Look with me. Verse 11. Read it with me. Verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom, on his breast, in his arms. He'll carry, and gently lead those that are with young. This God who is fierce, before whom no rebellious power can stand, is going to be gentle. He is going to understand the weakest. He's going to carry those that are too young in his bosom next to his heart. He's going to understand the mother and the child that cannot be driven, cannot make great distance. He is going to gently lead them because he knows what they're capable of, and he's not going to push them beyond their point. He's a shepherd that's in tune with the sheep, that knows what you're going through. He knows the pain. He knows the weaknesses. He knows the struggles. He's not a remote judge up in the sky. He is a shepherd that cares and is connected. The heart of our God, he's not intimidated but neither is he insensitive. He is a father, a father that is strong enough, but is tender enough. What a beautiful picture. The father heart. Who is this God? Behold your God. The power, the tenderness, the majesty, the greatness. He's using, he's trying to get we cannot understand the greatness of God. But he says, look, you know, he can measure the water in the hollow of his hand. All the vast water on this planet, in the skies, 
just a handful for him. You know, just word pictures to try to get you the, the dust of the earth, the, the sands of the sea, every speck that, that, that he can know it all and, and hold it all. The, the mountains, the vast, powerful things, you know, the, the, they're, they're like little weights he put on his balance. You know, he, he, he knows the precise weights. These are things he manipulates and understands and calculates. He's so powerful, so all-comprehensive over creation. Then we look at, you know, the power, the tenderness, the, 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 the wisdom of God. He says, who, who, has, who, who of you advises God? To which one of you does he come and, and ask for instruction? Who's been the one to kind of direct him in the way of knowledge and teach him something? You know something you can tell God? You can advise him? No. What about alternate powers, like we said, the, the powers of, of culture and people, and now the the, the nations are gathering together and uniting and, and creating this, this, this new um, um, world order here. They're dropping the bucket. He says, verse 15 here, they're, 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 they're so small that when I'm carefully weighing gold, I don't even have to sweep that dust off the balance. It doesn't even change when I measure things. It, it doesn't count is what he's saying. It doesn't matter, these powers. And, and you know, it's not like we can give something to God. Like, if, if you had all the, the talking about the, the great forest of Lebanon, which must have been pretty majestic, you know, even that, those amazing trees, and, and if you had all that wood and all those animals, you can't give God something, right? It's less than nothing. It's vanity. It's emptiness. So what are you going to compare God to? He's so great and powerful and yet loving and approachable. He, he comprehends all things. And you're, you're going to turn to something else. Verse 18 here. Verse 18. What are, what are you going to, what are you going to like and compare him to? Right? You're going to, you're going to create the most beautiful graven image out of gold. Or maybe, you know, you're too poor for gold. So you're going to make it out of some, some wood here and just, you know, use some art, artistic thing. Like, what are you thinking? And, and, and we, we would agree, we'd say this animistic culture, what, what, they're so backwards, they kneel down and they, they bow down to this statue that can't see, that can't hear, that, that can't move. You've got to rescue it from a fire or from destruction rather than it rescue you. Like, why would you do that? But would these people stand in judgment of our culture this day? Say, and what do you turn to for the source of your strength? To what do you dedicate your lives? To what do you spend your time, invest your energy in? Is it something that can supply your needs? That has the power and the wisdom that can and that cares? These things that we turn to, do we, we see in this day, how, how fleeting, how like grass these things are. The, the, the money that you trust in, that you sweat and you labor and you believe is going to supply your needs, that's going to supply your old age, that's going to give you what you want. It's, it's going to inflate away. We see house prices going up like 100,000 in three months. Like 
You thought you could buy a house, well now you can't. You thought you could buy a car, now you can't. Money can disappear. Stock markets can crash. These things you trust in, they aren't able to save you. May not be a golden statue, but it's powerless. Whether we believe in people or whatever it is, these things are sh- being shown impotent. He's saying, like, like, don't you get it? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hasn't anyone explained to you, like, where did this world come from? There, there's, you, you look to the stuff God created and you miss the God who's above. And it's interesting, the word he says, he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Who, you know, we think that, you know, these is written by shepherds in the past. God understood that there was a sphere. In fact, you look at the word circle, it's the same word as translated as ball in Arabic or, or um, that other words uh, is, is um, uh, spherical. Uh, they understood. They weren't flat earthers. They understood that God is above even this, this globe. That's how it was translated in Latin of the earth. But here the point isn't that God understood the geometry of the earth. The point is that that he is above and we are just like grasshoppers. Verse 22 here. We're so small that that to him these these heavens, he just stretches them out like a curtain. And and, and later on it says how he not only stretches them out, he knows, he knows them all by name. You would take you, I don't know how many millions of years for you to count, not just name, to count the stars in the sky that are, are visible to us. And there's much more that, and every time we get a better telescope, we see more. God knows them by name. And then in, in, in verse 27 here, he's given this contrast. Lift up your eyes. God's created these things, strong in power. He knows them. He's powerful and he knows them. And you, he says, you're saying, oh, my way is hid from the Lord, verse 27. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't see me. God's forgotten about me. He knows the name of every single star in the sky and you think he's forgotten about you? No. He knows you. He's that shepherd. He knows what you're going through. He knows the thoughts of your heart. The hairs in your head are are all counted. You don't think he knows the details. What ails you, what you struggle with. Your ways are not hid before God. So you see why? Why do you turn to things that cannot supply, to things that are, 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 are like dumb idols? It says, my people have committed two errors. Two, two, there's two, two things. One, they have abandoned me. Now he's using the imagery of, a, of, a, of a, the, 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 the near earth. If you've ever been in an arid environment, water is more precious than gold. But you've abounded me the fountain of living, flowing, fresh, life-giving water. And you've built yourself cisterns, he says. 
to, to hold water, but those cisterns are cracked and they don't hold water. You, you've, there's two things I have against you, God says. You, you, you abandoned me. What have I ever done wrong and how have I not supplied? And you turn to your own work. What an insult. You think that you can supply and, and you see how it results. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Now he comes to the personal conclusion here. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. This is verse 28. He's not going to get tired. He's not weary. He's not going to get overwhelmed and confused and, and, and not know the answer. There's no searching of his understanding. You're not going to get beyond his understanding that, that, that this is like he can't figure it out. There's a lot of things I can't figure out. In today's world, it seems like the more information you have, the more you can't trust the information you have. And here is an alternative. We talked about how money and political power and all these things are, are, are worthless. We, people thought, we don't need God because we can figure it out ourselves. Talk about a cistern cracked that can't hold water. And now that we have the, the ability with, with technology and computers and artificial intelligence, do you think we're in a better position to know truth? People are giving up on the ability to know truth because everyone's lying to you and there's a limit to what you can figure out for yourself and and you don't know if you're lying to yourself if other people are lying to you and you don't really know anything we don't really know where the virus came from because who's telling the truth we don't really know what's going on in this world we we can't really figure it out it's not available to us and the more we read and the more we dig down these rabbit holes, the more confused we get. And so, again, the sinful human heart foils us again. Despite our thinking, our reason, our rationality is going to, to get us, I will be like God, I will figure it out. No, you won't. You're a cracked cistern. It's leaking through. The stuff you thought you know you find you know less and less until there's nothing there. And you begin abandoning the fountain of living water of truth that every word will endure forever to, to try to come up with your model of the world that's based on lies, on your incomplete understanding, on your mode, your it's, it's people who are motivated by corrupt human hearts. There's no searching of God's understanding. He giveth power to the faint. God's not going to faint. He's not going to give up. He's not going to get confused. And he can help you. You can say, well, I'm weak. I'm not smart. I'm not strong. I don't have all these resources. I feel like giving up. I feel like I'm at the end. He says, rest in me. Those who are faint, those who are those babes, those little lambs, to them that have no might, God increases strength. 
On the contrast, verse 30, even the youths, even those who are in their prime, even those who are strong and healthy and, 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 and think there's no limit to what they can do, they run out of steam. They faint. They hit the wall. They get weary. And young men in their prime will utterly fail. But, and here's the promise to us, but they, but you, they that wait upon the Lord. What does that mean? If you're going to trust in God, you're going to wait for God to deliver. You're going to put your confidence in God. Rather than in your cracked cisterns, you're going to trust in the living God that created the earth, the one who's ultimately in control, who truly understands, who, who knows what's going on, who is, has all power. If you're going to rest in him, even though it may not be in the time frame you expect because he might know better, and he may know better what you need, what time you need deliverance, but he will. If you wait upon the Lord, that's the one condition. If you want this promise, the one condition is wait upon the Lord, trust in him, build on him. Then you will renew your strength. You may feel weak, but God will supply the strength. He'll be charging you even as you feel depleted. And you will be able not only to walk, not only to run, you'll be able to mount up with wings as eagles. You'll be able to soar above it all as we see those beautiful birds, the majestic birds that we call kind of the, the crown there because they are high above. They can see it all. They effortlessly glide above it all, untouchable. That could be you right now. You may feel at the end of your rope, but if you trust in God, you'll be able to mount up with wings as eagles. You'll be able to run without getting weary. You'll be able to walk and endure and not faint. What a beautiful word that God has given us this morning. May he's blessed. This morning, the Lord has spoken to us through his living word. He's contrasted who he is, the things that we might find comfort in. He brings us comfort, but not the way the world does, not in mindless entertainment or health-destroying foods, but with truth, with himself, with his promise to be there, to be our God carry us as a shepherd. And he stands there in love as the brothers prayed, having given his own son, having given everything. He pleads with us not to turn to empty things that cannot satisfy broken cisterns, the things that may intimidate but get blown away like dry grass. Turn to him, the one who cares, and the one who can, and who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and who will be our rock. That we, on that day, when he does come bursting through the clouds, we can all with free and open conscience say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. 
finally we get to spend eternity with you. With that, we complete this, conclude this morning's service.